Hello and welcome to episode five of our University of Exeter Alumni Business Podcast, where we bring you regular content, including interesting alumni stories, the latest research from our academic staff, and discussion on current global issues. I'm Josh Papanicola, Alumni Manager in the Business School, and today I'm joined by Professor Alex Jabassi, who is our Deputy Pro Vice Chancellor and Director of the Exeter Centre for Leadership. Alex, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Josh. Excited to be here. Thank you. Um, firstly, would you like to tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your research interest? Sure. Um, I, have a, I have a wide ranging role across the business school, but essentially I'm the, the dean of faculty here. So I, I live leadership lessons on a daily basis. So I've been undergoing quite a bit of transformation going from a face to face world to virtual. But most of the time when I'm not running meetings, I, I'm a social network scholar by training. So I study people's workplace relationships and especially the positive and negative workplace relationships they have and how that impacts their well-being and their performance. Okay, so um, obviously uh, we're recording this podcast remotely because at the moment um, we're dealing with fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So lots of people in leadership positions will suddenly be finding themselves managing entirely virtual teams. what advice and pointers do you have for them and people in that position? First of all, remember it's hard. <laughs> this isn't an easy task. Uh, managing people face to face is hard enough as it is. So, in a virtual environment, things become more difficult. Um, some of the best things you can do are have catch ups with people, um, it's, it's really important and sometimes not necessarily the people you think you need to. Um, Because sometimes parts of your team may feel a little bit distance, especially right now, they're probably a little bit stressed. They're dealing with a lot of pressures. So uh, we really recommend managers and leaders have relatively frequent contact with their teams, Um, have video calls. Don't forget to check in with people, spend the first few minutes of the meeting um, talking about social things, or just sort of checking in on people and sometimes call on the people who are quieter or less likely to contribute. It's a good way of drawing them out of their shell. Um, But the other things that are really important, and it's a hard one, is that we kind of have to trust people. So you don't want to end up being a micromanager in this situation. I know people are really nervous about stuff getting done, but we've, we've got to try to trust people a little bit. And because we actually find that for a lot of people, productivity increases in these situations, which is actually kind of interesting. I think we'll get back to that topic later, Josh. But it's really important to maintain those personal connections with your team because it it is harder. And it is harder to read cues from from a video camera. Um, it's, It's harder to know what's going on. So you really do have to check in and touch base. And you also want to set some ground rules. Um, one of the things that we did here at the business school was, well, at least the pro vice chancellor and I have set up that we only contact staff between 8.30 in the morning and 5.30 in the afternoon. So sort of set some ground rules of we know you might not be working then because you might have other things going on, but we're not going to bother you outside of standard work hours. So sort of setting up some really strict guidelines for ourselves. It also helps us keep some work-life balance so we don't spend 24 hours a day working. It's very interesting that you talk about productivity sometimes increasing 
um, when people start working remotely. Um, are there any other kind of fundamental differences that you've come across in terms of managing people virtually compared to managing people in person? Yeah, I mean, the hardest thing for me, um, when we were chit-chatting a little bit about this, there's no longer the, the coffee spot. There's not the water cooler that was the source of so many informal relations, informal chats. I, I'm one of those people that my style is, I kind of wander around, I talk to people. That's how I get a lot of my work done, just my style. But, but for me, that's gone. Um, the only person I talk to when I wander is my cat, and she's not that informative. So I now have to actually seek out people um you can do things like I, I, we've set up a virtual chat line of the people we sort of would normally run into in the coffee shop and that chat line's just for social purposes it's not work conversation and if it moves to work you get kicked out and sent to to a normal you know team's room but just trying to maintain that sort of some of those social connections are really important because if this becomes work all the time you're really going to get stressed out. So having some levity, a little bit of jokes, finding out what's going on in people's life, that's going to also help you understand when the pressure gets really high for certain people and they might need a break or how to just, just a pleasant chat to be like, hey, how are you doing? Which can be really important in these times. Yeah, in, in terms of um, maintaining that sort of um, social and emotional connection when working remotely, um it, you mentioned kind of having catch-ups at the beginning of meetings to to kind of be a bit more light-hearted are there any other um pieces of advice you would have to, to people working in teams or leading teams in terms of um successfully carrying out the the tasks that require a bit more social emotional intelligence it's really hard um i mean it is easier if you've had those face-to-face -face react interactions in the past so where we found um, this is actually great social networks story is that, you know, sometimes when we've worked with organizations that are sort of transitioning and bringing together teams who haven't worked face to face before, there's a lot of difficulty there because there's, they haven't built trust. They haven't built those sort of social connections. So those make it really hard. So if you're already starting from a good place of a good trusting relationship, you're in a much better ground zero when you're starting all of a sudden new. It is really difficult. People might not be likely to share those little bits of their lives, things like that. So actually, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter or things like that. People talking about, you know, the random stuff that goes on in the background of Zoom calls, um, which actually helps make people real in these situations. So I think that's really important. Um, and the more you know them, the better able you're sort of to read the cues. The other thing I've been relying on a little bit is I have a good network of people who tell me stuff. So sometimes I'll get a, a message being like, hey, could you check up on so-and-so? Maybe you want to talk to so-and-so because maybe they're feeling a little out of place or feeling a little bit stressed. So either having those people come to you or knowing you have trusted deputies that are helping you fulfill those sort of socio-emotional roles, um, that's really important because it is hard and it's not necessarily everybody's natural skill set. Um, and reading them at a distance and especially just reading them over email is really, really hard. You, 
it's almost impossible unless somebody tells you I'm drowning, you know, which they may not do. So putting the video on as annoying as it is sometimes when you just want to be in your hoodie or, you know, in your track, tracksuit bottoms, you know, putting those on can, can really help break down some barriers. It's it, it, yeah, it's, it's one of the best things you can do. And the other thing is, Using breakout rooms is really important. So if you're having big meetings, I was in a meeting with over 100 people yesterday. There wasn't really a conversation there, right? (laughs) It was a presentation. So using the breakout rooms so that people can actually converse is is actually a good thing and having people pop in and out. It's, it's, It's not that hard to do we can we can manage it but it does make conversations more personable and if you're actually trying to drive interaction and find out what's going on okay fantastic um that all links on quite well to what we were going to talk about next and you mentioned kind of trust being a a crucial factor in um in teamwork and maintaining some of the connections um I know some of your research addresses how individuals recognize opportunities for collaboration and advancement in their networks. Um, so uh, you've kind of covered maintaining the connections, but on that note, without that trust, do you think it's possible for people to still make new connections and still network whilst we're in social isolation and communicating remotely? So it's, it's interesting you say that, um, actually, Josh, because we are actually working on a research project on exactly that topic at the moment. Okay. Um, so I've been thinking about this a lot. It's something that, that has come up. I think there are a couple things you can do. Um, if you're looking for new ties, well, there are a couple different ways to think about this. One is to revitalize what we would call a latent tie. So somebody you might not have talked to in a while. So sometimes this is when LinkedIn is really awesome. <laughs> you know, So you've got this kind of list of however many people you've got that you know, hopefully you know, um, but it's sometimes a good way to reconnect with somebody because we've actually done, um, I, there's some research by Daniel Levin that suggests that, you know, these latent ties, somebody you haven't talked to in a while, provides just as great of information as, you know, your, your closer ties. So it's a really good opportunity to reconnect with some people. You have to keep it light though. Um, and probably at this point, reaching out to somebody and be like, hi, can you help me do this? Probably not the right way, but a, hey, I was thinking about you, wanted to see you're okay, sort of reconnecting with people is is a nice way. Um, So it's not necessarily a new contact, but it can bring new resources up to the the front and can rekindle some relationships. The other sort of, sort of, this is very, I'm using my science words, is, is to rely on what we'd call a weak tie. So maybe not someone you know, but a friend of a friend. Um, I I can tell you actually a kind of wacky story in the fact that I I wanted to get a kitten. I couldn't get a kitten because all the shelters are closed. So what did I do? I have a friend that knows everyone in my village. Mm -hmm. I contacted her and said, hey, do you know anyone who's having kittens? And lo and behold, a week later, my new kitten was born. So, you know, just that reaching out to someone who knows someone yeah. can can help you get what you need. Um, so now I've met these lovely people in my town that have cats. And so it's great, but it's a nice way of you get an introduction 
So it doesn't seem so instrumental. It's a, hey, you should meet each other. And that's a really good way to do it. But you do kind of have to know who your friends know. Mm. And that's that's the more complicated bit. But sometimes just in social conversations, things will come up. So I know you're not meeting people in the pub. You're not bumping into people in the coffee shop. But you can sort of do the same virtual activities as well with, you know, having a friend introduce you to somebody else, which which can be just as effective. And it's actually before the days of the internet, how most people found new jobs. So there's some science and evidence behind it over the years. Fantastic. I'll be reassuring to many of our alumni who get great value out of our um, networking events that we do that it's still possible yeah. uh, behind closed doors. Um, okay. Yeah. So moving on to our final topic, um, I know that another of your research interests is civility and incivility. And obviously the COVID-19 pandemic has proven a turbulent time for everyone. And um, I think you mentioned um, one of them, but I've, I've seen that at the University of Exeter and here in the business school, um, our leaders have taken steps to respect everyone's new circumstances. Um, for example, as you mentioned, limiting email use to working hours where possible and more promotion of our initiatives around well-being. Um, how important are civility and kindness in turbulent times? And how do we uphold those values with the people we work with? I mean, this is this is uh, this is another question we keep talking about. This is, this is a topic that's come up in the the leadership center quite a bit recently. We've been talking a lot about how, especially the leaders that are seen to be doing well right now, are really coming with the approach of sort of respect, kindness, compassion. It's been really important right now, and that sort of drive for profit. <laughs> isn't really coming across very well to consumers or or shareholders at the moment. So it is it is resonating at the moment. Um, but that's uh, that's sort of thinking about, you know, big corporations at the moment. But in in day to day life, like I said, you know, when you're only interacting with people via email or things like that, it's much easier for your intent or your tone to be mistaken. So sometimes you think somebody's yelling at you. You think somebody's angry, but they're just writing a short, brief email. So you you've got to so that that makes it difficult, okay, to to read that. I think there's also a little bit of give and take. So in dealing with a conversation, being a little bit kind to people and not necessarily assuming they're trying to be rude, um, just because again we know that one of the biggest sources of sort of why people act that way is because they're stressed. So being mindful of that's important and also being forgiving of yourself when occasionally you might not be as nice as you want to be. So be kind to yourself as well. But it, it is something that we tend to forget. And sometimes we need to have reminders like, hey, maybe you should be more present and not be so maybe direct. I'll go with that term as one that's I hear used quite often. And we have been having a lot of, at least in the university, conversations about, well, how do we transition this into being situation normal as we move forward? Um, so the pro vice chancellor and I have both agreed, we're keeping to the work hours moving forward. Um, but I think this idea of being kind and generous to each other and civil, right? 
we, we sometimes do need reminders, but you can embed this in your culture um, in, in terms of it's not okay, right? You need to, you should feel free to call people out to say, you know what, that's not how we behave here. That's, those don't exemplify our values. And the first people that have to live those values are your leaders because they're your role models. So if you see it at the top of a organization, it's going to roll down. So you, it is really something that if you're thoughtful about when you're selecting and hiring people, maybe you're watching out for. And, you know, people do can do a good job of hiding it. So sometimes it is good to check those references and um, explore your network to see if you can find any evidence of the contrary. Because if you get one of those in, it can be really disruptive and destructive to your organization. Fantastic. Um, you've almost covered my next question, which uh, which was really, do you have any any more do's and don'ts for civility when working as a team, you know, for all of us, not just for leaders, but also for, for team members? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things you can do as a leader or as you're emerging through your leadership practice is um, taking some time to reflect I know, Josh, you and I have talked about this in other circumstances, but, you know, leadership is a skill. And when we watch other people who are training for a skill, what do you do? You watch tape, you review what you did, you evaluate your performance, and maybe you have a coach. <laughs> and the, these sorts of things are really important for going through your leadership lesson. So even if you can just take five minutes of your day or even two to just sort of say, hey, what went really well today? Maybe what didn't, how do, I, how do I adjust that in the future? Or, oh, gee, something's not right there. And the more you can reflect on that and then act on it, it really helps. It's also really good if you have mentors or trusted colleagues who could say, who can come back to you and say, hey, you know what? Like what you did there, that was awesome. But also when you, you can feel comfortable to have the criticism of, you know what, you, you that wasn't that wasn't the best I've ever seen you. But to, to give you that feedback so you can grow. Sometimes those can be reciprocal relationships, and that's fantastic. So that you're you're growing together as a leadership team. And that's really important. And I think that's one of the most important lessons about leadership is it's a skill. It's one you have to practice. It's one you have to reflect on and get feedback on. And you know, if anything, this situation is throwing all of us who are in these leadership positions a real curveball. And, you know, it, it, it's it's putting us to our paces. You know, we're really going to have we're really we're we're working hard right now and trying to pull through this. And this is going to be it'll certainly be a learning experience. It's going to be tough. But I think those who are trying and reflecting and growing will come out of this stronger. OK, and uh, I'm talking about coming out of this uh, situation. Um, do you see the COVID-19 pandemic changing the way all teams and organizations operate going forward permanently? I think so. I mean, some of the stuff you've seen, big buildings are a thing of the past. You know, I saw that headline, I don't know, today or yesterday. Um, I mean, we've been even talking about this, about, well, how do we work remotely? You know, why are we, you know, going to London, you know, commuting into London for a two hour meeting, you know, there, there are going to be lessons that here, okay, we can work remotely. I think a lot of people were maybe a little bit scared. Um, there's, 
there's plenty of evidence that this can work. Now, not all the time, but it could also help reduce carbon footprint and things like that. So I think organizations who are thinking more holistically about contributing to the world as a better place will certainly take advantage of opportunities to do things like let's reduce our carbon footprint. Let's let's maybe allow better work-life balance for our staff. Let's be more flexible. And I think that also given the trends we're seeing about how younger workers want to work, these things may be very desirable to them. So companies who are willing to be flexible may gain in in the recruitment <laughs> in the recruitment process by having desirable features for younger employees. And I think that that might pay off. And I think the companies who have done a good job of sort of taking care of their employees certainly will do well out of this. Um, and and I think we'll we'll see some shifts in in the market. Um, not exactly sure what those will be, but I'm certainly changing my buying habits based on how. Uh, companies behave at the moment. Brilliant. Thank you very much for, for joining us today, Alex, and for answering our questions. Um, I know that all of our alumni will find that incredibly useful. Um, if this is the first podcast that our listeners are listening to, um, if uh, any listeners are interested in other topics, please do look at the podcast site either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or our extra alumni web pages and you can find um, a few other topics we've covered from um, sustainable investments to um, white collar crime. Um, if you want to hear more from Alex you can join us at one of our alumni events. Um, she's spoken to us about the changing models of leadership before, um, networks as well as our MBA conference so I'm sure we'll rope Alex into for another alumni event. Sometime down the line. Alex, thank you again. Um, and thank you to all those listening. Join us again next time for the next episode.